Good morning, church family. It is great for me to be here with you this morning, even if it is uh, only on a screen. We are on vacation for a few weeks right now. And so on Sundays, our family visits other churches in the city. Uh, it's a good experience for us to see how other brothers and sisters uh, worship. And so we are at another church this morning as you are gathering uh, here. Well, this Sunday, we are continuing in our summer sermon series, um, Summer Playlist. And each week we choose a different psalm, which is in essence a different song. And we work through that and we see how that relates to our lives today. So we began our summer playlist with Psalm 1. And that was a wisdom song, giving direction on how we, we can live. And then Psalm 32, a great song written um, after David uh, had confessed his uh, rape and murder. Um, and so that was done the second week. The third week uh, was Psalm 98. Last week, Pastor Jordy spoke from Psalm 91, and now today we start uh, with another psalm. So thank you for being here with, with us this morning. And if you are new with us, I, a special welcome to you. I hope to meet you when, when I am back from my vacation. And I just want to remind you, you can go to cornerstonealliance.info to find the sermon notes, or there are sermon notes on the music stand at the back of the sanctuary if you want to follow along. This week's sermon notes will have additional information than what I am saying here from the stage. So if you would like to study a little more on your own or to, to follow along in a little more detail, you can follow along on the sermon notes. Well, this psalm today is, uh, is a special psalm. It is not a praise song. It is not a, uh, a song of um, celebrating kingship. It is not a psalm of wisdom. It is a psalm of lament. And it is written for those of us who are depressed or stressed out, or really frustrated. And so it's a good psalm um, for us. If you are here today and you feel that way, well, thank you for coming this morning. It is actually very good for us when we feel down, when we feel depressed, to meet together with other brothers and sisters. And often that lifts our spirits. But maybe you're not in that situation today. Maybe you don't feel depressed or stressed or anything. But this psalm is also for you because soon at some point you probably will feel stressed or depressed or frustrated. As Christians, we have a great life. We have Christ in our lives who gives meaning to everything that we do, but we still live in this world. And sometimes we feel frustrated. Sometimes we feel hostility and there's fear and there's danger and there's ridicule uh, because of our faith. And so this Psalm, I imagine uh, by the end of this sermon, some of you will make this your favorite. And maybe some of you will even memorize some of these verses to use uh, in your own prayers. So I imagine that this will become a favorite for many of us. And maybe the next time someone asks you, what's your favorite Bible verse? You might say, well, I don't have a favorite Bible verse, but I do have a favorite Psalm. And it's this one. So I would like for you to open your Bibles. And if you would like to borrow a Bible, uh, please um, borrow a Bible from the people walking down the aisles today or use the Bible on your phone. This is Psalm 69. Please open to Psalm 69. It's a little bit of a longer psalm, and so I will not work through every verse, but I'll work through the psalm in sections. So right now, I would like you to read the psalm uh, on your own, kind of like silent reading time maybe we had back in elementary school. Let's have a silent reading time right now with your Bibles open or the Bible on your phone, and please read Psalm 69. We'll give you a couple minutes to do that. And as you're reading, I want you to ask yourself, can I relate in any way to this psalmist? Can I relate to the guy who wrote this psalm? How does it affect, how does it inter intersect with my life today? So go ahead 
and spend a couple minutes just there silently, read Psalm 69. Okay, so with your Bibles open to Psalm 69, let's look at verse 1. Psalm 69, verse 1 says, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. Those first four words, save me, O God. This is brutal honesty. This is someone just praying to God. And this is a legit prayer. Save me, O God. Have you ever prayed that prayer? See, here is someone who is being honest. One thing we can learn from the Psalms is that we need to be honest when we pray to God and when we talk to Him. He knows how we're feeling. He knows what's going on anyway, so we can't hide anything from Him. If we feel uh, depressed, if we feel stressed, if we feel anger towards God even, it is appropriate for us to, to let Him know 
and just to say that. So here's a man writing this song, just saying, save me. This is a good prayer. Even those four words would be good for you to memorize and use in your prayers. Save me, O God. And then continues after verse, verse one and verse two. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry, miry depths where there is no foothold. I'm sure you can relate to that in some way, but it is good for us to enter into the psalmist's uh, world back thousands of years ago. As you know, maybe you remember from our study in Revelation, the sea, especially the sea that is churned up, is an image that is used over and over again for chaos and for evil and for danger. This is a biblical image. And so, yes, we can relate to this, but can you even relate more now that you understand that these, this water being churned up is, is very um, distressful for anybody? Uh, that the image of that kind of sea um, being churned up like that is very distressful for anyone in the ancient Near East. And then verse three, it says, I'm worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. Now, I know you can relate to this verse. Do you ever pray to God and nothing happens? Here he say, I, I have been calling for help like my throat is parched. And I don't see God anyway. So I'm sure that all of us at some point can relate to this. Save me, God. Answer me. And yet we hear nothing. See, the Psalms, they get you. They understand what's going on in our lives. Verse 4, those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs of my head. Many are my enemies without cause. Those who seek to destroy me, I am forced. Those who seek to destroy me, I am forced to restore what I did not steal. He's being accused. David, who wrote the psalm, is being accused of theft. And he didn't do it. He says, I'm being accused of something I did not do. Again, can any of us relate to that? Have you ever been accused of saying something or doing something that you did not do or say? Or maybe your words were twisted to mean something completely different, and yet you're innocent? It says David was, he's being accused of theft. Now, can you remember any time in, in the Bible where David was accused of stealing something from 1st or 2nd Samuel or 1st and 2nd Chronicles? Probably not. As far as I know, there is no story of David ever stealing anything. And why would, but that's okay, because there's no way that the Bible could include every single thing that happened in the life of David. Samuel and Chronicles, it's, it's a history of, of David's life and of the, the, the royalty, but it's, it's selective. So that could be one reason why we don't have any record. But also uh, another reason which is important for us today is that this, this isn't a specific, it's not referring to a specific incident, it's, it's a little more general. And so when we read this, we, we can realize, okay, maybe it wasn't theft that I was accused of, but there was something, you know, metaphorically or, or use that imagery. There was something I said that was misconstrued or we can use this as, as we pray and as we read through this. Being accused of something did not do. So this is the first time um, in the Psalm where there's a complaint. And actually he repeats his complaint again and you know, three times complaining to God. Do you ever complain to God when you pray? It's actually okay to do that and the Psalmist is doing that here. And then uh, after he complains the first time, verse five and six, he says, um, but um, yes, I'm innocent of what they're accusing me of, but I'm not completely innocent. 
I mean, there are other things I have done. You know, God, my folly, my guilt is not hidden uh, from you. And so this is, a, this is also something that we can sometimes forget uh, when we pray to confess. We have been saved. We have been forgiven of our sins. But it doesn't mean we stop sinning. And it doesn't mean that we have license just to do whatever we want. And so it's appropriate for us to continually be confessing to God. So please include that in your prayer times. Confess to God your sins and make, make amends where possible and receive God's forgiveness. But then he says, verse 6, and this, this hits me a little bit. I wonder if it hit you when you read it. He says, um, may those who hope in you not be disgraced because of me. Do you ever feel that way, that maybe sometimes your behavior or your actions kind of, you know, make, make the church look bad or make other Christians look bad? Yeah, I see you nodding. I'm nodding too. I, I totally understand that. So here's a, a, another way we can pray. Just, God, I know I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. And as best I can, I ask for forgiveness. But don't let that bring a bad name to your people, please. This is how he's praying here. And then he continues with another complaint. And so let's continue uh, with that one. Verse 7, he says, I endure scorn for your sake and shame covers my face. Are you ever ridiculed or humiliated? simply because of your faith in Jesus Christ. He says, I'm like a foreigner to my own family, a stranger to my, to my own mother's children. And then verse nine, for zeal for your house consumes me and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. Does that sound familiar? Zeal for your house consumes me. This Psalm is quoted many, many times in the New Testament. So if you're familiar with the New Testament, you might remember this one, zeal for your house consumes me. Jesus said that when he was cleansing out the temple and overturning the tables. Do you remember that story? Well, here, when David is writing, zeal for your house consumes me, he's probably referring to his desire. Uh, he's probably referring to the tabernacle, the, the temporary uh, home for God, the temporary dwelling place, because the temple had not been uh, built yet. That's not until Solomon's time. But David eagerly desired to create that dwelling place, that temple for God. So he's probably referring to that, and that Jesus um, uses this a little bit later. Well, after he finishes his second complaint, in verse 13, he responds this way, But I pray to you, Lord, in the time of your favor, in your great love, O God, answer me with your sure salvation. Again, he's asking for God to save him, and he appeals to God's love. We can always appeal to God's love to save us, to rescue us from the scorn when we're suffering, um, for his sake. And so if you're looking for a few good verses to memorize, uh, because we can use God's word as we pray, and we can just pray his word back to him, I suggest verses 16, 17, and 18 in this section. It says, answer me, Lord, out of the goodness of your love. This is a great way to pray. In your great mercy, turn to me. Do not hide your face from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in trouble. Come near and rescue me, deliver me, because of my foes. Perhaps you could just jot a note down and you know, say, here's some verses I would like to memorize, or here's some verses I can refer to uh, when I need God's help. I'm just gonna use his word and pray it back to him. And then begins his third time of complaining. Verse 22, may the table set before me, before them become a snare. May it become a retribution and a trap. Verse 24, pour out your wrath on them. Let your fierce Anger 
overtake them. Verse 28, may they be blotted out of the book of life and not be listed with the righteous. Wow, it suddenly took a dark turn, didn't it? Just before we move on to the next section, here's something that you can probably relate to because I sure can. Uh, look at verse 20. It says, scorn has broken my heart and has left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. For comforters, but I found none. They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. Have you ever been in that situation where you felt, I, I need someone to encourage me, I need someone to comfort me, so, but even my friends, they're not really helping. Like, they might have good intentions, they have the best intentions sometimes, but they're just making it worse. You know, I think I've been guilty of being that kind of friend. Sometimes maybe you have too. And so see how the psalm, it just, they, just, they get you. These kinds of prayers actually are fairly common in the psalms, but what, what do we do with that? That's, those aren't really nice ways to pray, or is it? We're kind of left in a, what's that word? A dilemma. Um, some people think that it is not okay for us to use these prayers today because this is, these, aren't, these aren't God's words. These are just these words of hatred you know, toward um, this guy's enemies. And this was before Christ. So it was, it was before um, they were enlightened by, this, by the, the new covenant and the new era. So it's not really appropriate for us today to, to pray these prayers. But then, I mean, by the same logic, what, what do we do with all of the Old Testament then? So that's kind of a problem for us. But then on the other hand, some people say it's totally legitimate to pray these prayers. If, if there are people that are, are persecuting and if they're doing bad things to the church and to Christians, then yeah, let's, let's pray these curses. They are cursed. And so let's pray these on them. But then as believers in this New Testament era, we're reminded of Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5. And how do we reconcile these? Let me read these for you from the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 48. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. These are Jesus' words. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father uh, is perfect. And again, in Matthew chapter 26, uh, verse 52, we have um, these words. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. So if these prayers are completely legit to pray these days, well, what do we do with the radical, the words of Jesus calling us to radical love of enemies and putting away our swords? Well, in the Old Testament, we see it might be difficult for us sometimes to understand all the ways that God works in the Old Testament, but we see that um, God changes in his, in his way that, that we relate to to people outside of his community. So back in, in the Old Testament, the people of God, Israel was called to be holy and separate and the nations would, would come to them. And sometimes uh, the Bible says that um, God would use his people 
to pass judgment on, on other nations as, they, as he sent them to war. And then we see uh, in the New Testament that this, this war this is actually intensified and it becomes even greater. But we are taught not to, to go to war against another person or to curse other people. Rather, our battle, our war is a spiritual battle and we wage war not the way that the world wages war, but we use spiritual weapons to battle these spiritual uh, wars. And so the spiritual warfare intensifies, but it is not appropriate to pray uh, some of these prayers in the Psalms in the same way that David would have done uh, in his day. And so what, one of the ways we can wage war and we can wage battle against Satan and, and, and our enemies is by praying for those who are not yet part of the people of God that they would be brought from darkness and into light and they would be freed from being slaves to the darkness and brought into the kingdom uh, of light. And we have so many other ways that we can be using our spiritual weapons through prayer and faith and, and other things. So um, these are um, some words to um, hopefully, uh, we, it's, it's not a clear answer, but as we look at Genesis all the way through Revelation, the entire Bible, we do see um, that there's a way to, to kind of bring this together. We can pray similarly, remembering that our battle now is a spiritual battle. The victory has been won, but we're fighting uh, spiritual forces. And then in the end, after, um, after this final um, complaint and this charge against his enemies, uh, it finishes with just glorious praise um, to God. This is verse 30, I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with its horns and hooves. Do you realize this is really good news for people who don't have much money? He says, because you have to pay for these sacrifices and, and bring them in, but he says even more important than what you can give through your financial resources. He says, I will praise God's name and, say, and glorify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord even more um, than any offering that we can give. Giving thanks for what God has done for us and continues to do for us. So this Psalm 69 uh, may become a favorite song for you. It's appropriate for us when we are feeling down and distressed or if we are feeling humiliated or, or scorned or, or um, being accused of things that we haven't done or maybe just uh, being treated poorly because of our faith, we can turn to Psalm 69 and we can use these words for our own words. And this psalm is quoted many times in the New Testament. I just want to close with um, another way that Jesus, Jesus actually used this Psalm 69. Did you know that? And so it's another example for us that we may use this. Do you remember um, early on uh, in this psalm? Um, let me just find these verses here. Do you remember uh, in verse 21, it says, They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar uh, for my thirst. Does this remind you of anything in, in Jesus' life? Do you remember when um, in, um, at the end when Jesus was hanging on the cross? And we can turn, if you want to, I'll just turn there and I can read it for you. In Matthew chapter 27, starting uh, with verse 34, it says, There they offered Jesus wine to drink, mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. And again in verse uh, 48, Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus uh, to drink. So in Psalm 69, this, 
this person is saying, this, this is how my friends treated me. They, they tried to help, but they gave me, you know, like vinegar or like gall, something that wasn't good to drink. So figuratively, that's what he was saying. But in Jesus' life, it literally happened to him. People offered him this gall and this vinegar, but his response was completely different. The psalmist responded by praying a curse you know, on his enemies, filled with you know, hatred and, and bitterness. But this is why Jesus is so amazing. He, he uses Psalm 69, but do you see how, how he prays? Do you remember what his words were on the cross? He said, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And that's why Jesus is, is so amazing. God, I thank you for your word that is living and is active. And I love how something that was written 3,000 years ago can be used again by Jesus and used again by us many years later because it is endurable. It lasts forever. Lord, teach us how to use your word as we pray and show us how great Jesus is. And may we focus on Jesus this week because of the words you've given to us today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.